Hello and welcome to another Network Optimist production of the Networking Fools with your Networking Fools and hosts, J.W. Nigerian and Bob Schechter as they discuss business, finance, and lifestyle. Hi, this is Bob Schechter along with J.W. Nigerian and today we're hosting an interview with Jerome Maine. Jerome is an author. He wrote a book called Diary of a White Collar Criminal, very interesting compilation of his time spent going from a mortgage brokerage to uh, jail. So without any further ado, we'll get into all the details later. Jerome, how are you? Hey, I'm great. I, uh, thanks for having me. I, uh, I, I really feel, uh, I guess, kind of honored to be one of the people on your, uh, on your list of, of interviewees. you got a pretty impressive list there. Oh, thanks. <laughs> we hope it grows. Uh, um, by the way, one of the things that we want to tell our audience is that we've, we've actually spoken to uh, Jerome several times to make sure that we all understood what we, what we wanted from him and what he does because we really wanted to be able to give our audience the most out of it. Um, because we don't know that everybody's going to buy the book, even though we recommend it highly. And Jerome's time in jail was just a starting point for all the education process that he's gone through to learn about the things that we believe he feels are the most key elements in teaching other people about life, and those are integrity, instinct, humility, and, and always being available to learn and to learn more. So, Jerome, if, if, if we can, your, your, your entire psyche was changed and your integrity was molded based on your your time going from the brokerage to jail. Could you describe that a little bit? Well, yeah. I'm, you know, I always thought I, I led a, a pretty, uh, I suppose, ethical life, that I had integrity, and I'm not convinced that I, uh, I wasn't doing any of those things. Uh, but I but I did go through a period of time where I kind of lost focus on that. And for whatever reason, I mean, I can go back and second guess, but for whatever reason, um, I, lost, I lost some integrity and I lost, I suppose, some ethical values. And, um, you know, I've got, I've got a journey to talk about, and, and I learned a lot from that journey. And, uh, well, I should say this, I didn't learn anything from the journey. I, I really learned it. Uh, from from two sources. One of it was other people, and the other one was being introspective, and so myself. And um, I have grown and I've changed because of it. And I, I guess what I am happy about, I am, um, I look forward to doing every day, is to be somewhat of a role model and to help people not make similar mistakes. And even if they never have or ever will, how to take their own, uh, you know, the way they go about life and make it better. Because there yeah, is, yeah. Um, you know, I'm so happy to have you on today. I, you know, I've actually been telling your story to a bunch of people. Like, oh, we get to uh, do an interview with this very interesting guy, Romaine, who ended up having to go to prison for real estate fraud. And the first thing I get is that grimace of, Ooh, bad guy. Ooh, ooh, yeah, bad guy. Yeah, and the, and the first thing I have to do is defend you and say, no, you know, it's 
he's not really a bad guy. He's a, he's actually very much like you and me. Um, he's he's done stuff that we've all done. You know, he uh, decided to maybe turn his eye, uh, you know, and not look, you know, and not to not look at the red flag or you know just turn the other way when somebody was doing something. And he got uh, caught holding the bag, essentially. Um, well, I, you know, I I hear. I mean, I. I've I've gone through a lot of that in my in my life and career as a speaker and author and as a as a self taught expert I suppose on fraudulent behavior and and it takes a lot out of you man it takes a lot out of you to 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 come out and say hey you know here's what I did and to have people judge it, and it's human nature I mean people will do that and I. Well, I'd like to say I've completely accepted, and sometimes it still hits. Um, but one thing that I learned is that, and I actually learned this from from uh, a woman at the time, uh, who I eventually married. It, it it's not necessarily a bad person, um, you know, because people will refer to that. Oh, he's a bad person. He's a bad guy. And and I'm not just saying that because I'm biased, because I am. I, nobody wants to think of themselves as a bad guy. But there were some real bad decisions. Uh, I mean, it shocked everyone when they read the story in the newspaper that I was arrested. Right. Um, people couldn't believe it. Well, so, you, I, you know, I hear that. That's a scary part of your story, Jerome, and that is, you know, there's some slimy guys out there that pro- that need to go to jail. Right. And uh, there's some people that end up going to jail that aren't, you know, may, they might have not done any, you know, t- I, I know that you take full responsibility for what you did, but that doesn't make, that didn't make you slimy. Yeah. No, it didn't make me a, a slimy or a bad person. I mean, I, I mean, if I looked at myself that way, I'd, I'd, I'd live in a shell. I, I wouldn't do anything. Um, I, I did some stuff that I shouldn't have done. And, and you're right. I take responsibility for it. I know what I did. I did it. And, and I don't downplay that. Well, when, um, people, when people read your book, they're going to realize that the punishment really didn't fit the crime. The only good that came of it was that you got a life lesson that was far beyond what you should have gotten but it's, it's a wonderful life experience to teach people about how to follow their instincts. And, and, and that's obviously one of the messages that you try and, you know, give people is that, you know, when you think, when you think it can happen to just the other guy, when you think you're not doing anything, when you think you're not, when you're walking that line and your instinct says you really probably shouldn't because you are of integrity, you learned, you paid that price that 9.9 out of 10 people will never have to pay. I know J.W. and I, J.W. was saying, we always constantly defend you because I feel like I should play F. Lee Bailey. You never should have gone to jail. But obviously, from your standpoint, it was a wonderful, it turned out to be a wonderful experience that you can pass on to other people. So, so Bob, you know, it's funny because he doesn't, I've never heard Jerome, you can correct me, Jerome, if, you, if this is wrong, but I've never heard Jerome say that, and we expect that, you know, prison is going to be the big leveler that teaches you a lesson. And I've never heard Jerome say that he learned a lesson from that bad experience as much as he learned from, you know, uh, the, the people around him and, and, and some other experiences. I don't think you've ever really mentioned that prison was the, was the thing that changed your paradigm. No, it, it really, you know, I, I never thought of it that way. And it, it really wasn't. I mean, it it kind of forced me to look at things 
um, that that type of consequence certainly forced me to look at things as as it would anybody. But it could have been something else. I mean, I I could have been uh, you know maybe one of those other the co-conspirators. Maybe they would have tried to murder me or something, and and that would have been an event. Had I never even gone to jail, maybe that would have been it. But it was it was the event. It was the the major consequence that that caused me to look and learn, and now face that and try and help other people. You know, I'm not uh, you know I'm I'm not in this business because I'm I'm not a speaker, an author, and an expert on this stuff because I want to change the world. But I tell you what, I do get the opportunity to help people and to connect with people where they can see some of themselves or at least draw parallels to things that they see in their life. And and that makes me feel good. When I get an email from somebody, you know, after they read my book and tell me that they were, uh, you know, they were inspired. I remember when I first heard that, I thought, what? What about going to prison was inspiring? <laughs> and, um, you know, they told me. They said, you know, well, you're you're the everyman. You know, you're you're like me. You're the average guy. And and the book, you know, you guys might might say this too. I, I've heard from a lot of people that reads that reads pretty conversationally, and 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 it's a journal. It's my diary. And you know, I had to edit some of it, but for the most part, it is it is what I was thinking at the time during those days. And of course. While I was in prison, I couldn't keep a diary, so um, I had a girlfriend on the outside, and we wrote letters to each other every day. So the the part of the story where I was actually in prison, basically in the book, it's basically just letters um, that I wrote uh, to my girlfriend, and, it, and it, it does move the story forward, and it keeps the reader... You know, engaged and on a on an intimate we're, we're level. Talking about conversation, um, let can you tell us? Uh, you know, the uh, uh, maybe like the short the, the short version of because uh, I know it, you go over it in the book pretty extensively. The short version of what happened to you. So people listen to call going, okay, went in for some real estate. What was the story? So I'm sure they're waiting. Well, yeah, yeah the, <laughs> the Reader's Digest, the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> yeah, that that is important to say. As you guys pointed out, as a speaker, my job is to talk, 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 talk. So I will try and be brief, and I'm sure you won't be shy about interrupting. Um, please do. No, it's more, it's more, yeah. Jerome, it's more about uh, uh, getting the story out. We have so many questions to ask you, so if you... Okay. I know the story, it can act, I know the story's kind of long, so I want I'll, to I'll, get I'll, the chance to... Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll be, I'll, uh, yeah. In, uh... In uh, 1994, I was a loan officer at a pretty large mortgage ba- mortgage banking company. I was in Minneapolis, and I was just your average loan officer. Um, I'd been on the job a few years, and I knew what I was doing. Um, and one day, I got a call from a guy who, who said he was a real estate investor. He bought and sold houses. Basically, he flipped property, which, you know, everybody knows that word now. Sell high and... And then, obviously, the negative part of flipping is that there's something illegal about it, either the, you know, inflated value or the fake documents. Well, I was excited to hear from this guy because it was going to mean he was going to send a lot of buyers my way. He would buy a house at a low price and then send the buyer to me so that buyer could get a loan and buy it and buy the house from this guy. His name is Milt, by the way. Um, 
so that this buyer could buy it from Milt at a higher price, and that's how he made his profit. Sounded real good to me. Um, but as I met these buyers, as I sat down and went through the loan applications with them, it didn't feel right. And there were, there were a number of things um, that, you know, I get into in quite a bit of detail in the book, but there were some things like documents that, that just seemed a little too perfect. Um, there was the unspoken, uh, you know, we want to make sure this closes. I mean, there was that, um, they never asked me to do anything illegal. I, I know we, we asked you this. We asked you this question, but I'm going to ask it again because I, I yeah. know I know when somebody listens to this, they're going to say the same thing that we asked you, which is when you were there and it, you know, it, it quacked like a chicken. It looked like a chick, you know, like a duck. I mean, did you did you? At what point did you just say, "I'm not going to believe it's a duck. I, I'm going to believe it's something else." How did you get? You had to make that leap internally because I know you speak about that, that integrity. Yeah. You speak about being true to yourself and your, 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 your instincts. How did you override your instincts and just say, I'm not going to buy into that. I'm just going to go with the flow because that's what got you in trouble. Is that, is yeah. when, you, when you overlooked you, what you felt was the right thing and you knew what was the right thing, that's what got you in trouble, and that's what gets most people in trouble. How did you make that leap? Well, it really wasn't hard because at the time I wasn't looking at it as a leap. You know, It was just an average everyday, here we're just going to move forward, we're going to get this loan closed. Um, well, maybe I'll tell you what it wasn't. <laughs> it, it wasn't, I'm going to make a lot of money. No, no, those guys never said we're going to pay you if you don't say anything. Right. It, it was more of, you know, I've got, a, I've got a referral source who's sending business my way. I want to get this loan done. I mean, I, I justified all over the place. Right. It, it, didn't, it didn't feel right, and I ignored that and just focused on I want to get this done. And, of course, some of the justifications were that, you know, I started comparing what was going on with something illegal, for example. Mm-hmm. And, and the, what we're talking about here was to say the thing. Uh, I received a pay stub and uh, W-2 where I, I asked, I need pay stubs and W-2s for this guy, but I, you know what, I don't think it's going to fly because, you know, he, he told me what he thought he made, which was suspicious right there. He didn't know. I said, find a different buyer because this guy thinks he makes, you know, uh, this, this guy, you know, somebody who's going to buy this house at this price from you, Milt, is going to need to make, and I said, thirteen seventy-five an hour because I had figured it out. And it wasn't a plan to secretly tell him, hey, I need something fake that says that. It was just, I need another buyer. <laughs> well, when I received, when I received the pay stubs and W-2s for this, this guy the next day, uh, lo and behold, he made exactly thirteen seventy-five an hour. Now, that was the moment. That was the first thing that happened where I thought, hey, wait a minute. This, this isn't right. And so my justifications included things like, well, I didn't, I didn't print out any fake pay stubs. Ah. And I also, another, another justification was, well, I, I know what fraud is, and fraud is, you know, back in the 90s, I was looking at the SNL scandal, saying, oh, this isn't that. And I compared it with, in fact, I even saw a guy at, uh, at my office forge a signature once. You know, these are all things that I started to compare. 
and saying, I'm not doing that. In fact, I'm not doing anything. Right. And I thought, you know what? Jerome, you were talking, you were taking care of your, the number one thing you were talking about was not trying to make money. You were trying to take care of your client, and you're not going to go to your client and call him a, a thief and a fraud. You're just going to take care of stuff because, number one, you're not doing anything illegal. You're just taking in the paperwork you're told to take in, right. and you're handing it to the department where they're, hopefully they're going to catch it if it's uh, not uh, kosher. Because that's right. And, and you, you're not the and, final say, right? Yeah, and, and, and that's a great excuse, you know. <laughs> That's that's it is. It, well, the reason I bring it up is because a lot of people might do that and think, well, hey, you know, it can't, you know, I'll be, it, this is this is you know, this is never going to happen to me. Nothing's ever going to come of this. And this is where right. this is where your book's so important because something can come of it and did in your case. Yeah. Exactly. And it, and if somebody, if I were to get up on stage or had written a book about how. I wasn't doing anything else. At the time, I felt that way. So in the diary, I, I, you know, since I was writing it, you know, as the events happened, that comes out. I felt, what the heck happened? Why am I? Everybody else does this. I didn't really do anything wrong. And, and that's how I felt at the time. Um, and you're right. A lot of people do do this. And I, you know, I'd like to go out. Uh, well, no, I wouldn't like to. I'm careful not to go out into the world and say, hey, everybody does it. I mean, that's really shirking responsibility and not taking responsibility, and I'm not about that. I, th- that's not who I am. I know exactly what happened, and people, a lot of people think that fraud is something that you do, um, and, and fraud is also, you know, the Black's Law Dictionary defines it. Uh, part of the definition is, uh, withholding of information that should have been disclosed. And not a, a lot of people don't look at that. And that's, that's why we're just talking about fraud. Honesty in general is when you know something and you're not telling somebody something because you want them to believe that something is different than what it actually is. And, and yeah, well, that is... It's, it's often things, that the withholding truth is just as bad as telling a lie. Well, it is. And legally, <laughs> it's and true legal, as well. definitely is. So then, yeah, and, and the, so then, at what point did you, what point did you segue to? Well, if I don't do it, somebody else is going to do it. Well, I don't know if I ever really went there. Okay. I wasn't I, I, underlying. I think there was that fear of losing business, um, but I really wasn't hurting for business either. Um, the the motivator to continue to go. Part of it was a challenge. Part of it was I was fascinated with how this guy was, you know, his basic business real estate model. Um, it, it, was, it was fascinating. He would buy a house for twenty, thirty thousand, 30000 and sell it for seventy or eighty. You know, how cool was that? And, this, uh, and I can remove... This, story, this, this brings up the second part of your story where you actually started doing deals with him. With no- well, sure. For, you know, for months I was just trying to get his buyers approved, and they did. They got approved. Um, and and as those months went by, I started to know that this something's not right. Something's not right. And I, I couldn't always put my finger on it. But, but when I started to make the decision that I didn't want to work with him anymore, it didn't mean I wanted to get away from the idea of buying low and selling high. I just didn't want to work with him. 
So that's when I went out and I bought a house for for twenty five thousand. I had already done my research. I knew it was worth forty five, but as it turned out, I couldn't find a buyer. I advertised for a month and I couldn't find a buyer. So, you know, stupidly, uh, I went back to this guy, and that was motivated, I suppose, a little bit by money, and that I didn't want to lose money, and I wanted to make the money that I knew I was going to be able to make because I knew the house had that value. And so when I went back to him, I basically said, look, um, you've got all these buyers in your pocket. If you've got one that wants to buy this house, I'll tell you what, I'll split the profits with you. And that was, that was the biggest, biggest, biggest mistake um, because that, that involvement, that meant that I was in business with him. Uh, before, when I was the loan officer for the buyers that he sent me, that really wasn't considered in business with him. Now, while that was still fraudulent and unethical and all that, being in business with him, that was a real key. It's real key to point that out. Um, when he sent me the buyer, I mean, I could see right through the buyer. I knew there were obvious, obvious mistakes, mistakes that what I thought at the time and still wonder a little bit about, how, how did the underwriter not question that? And, of course, that's not a good defense to say, I was trying to trick you, and you should have been able to see it, and therefore I'm not guilty. I mean, that's insane. Um, so I went ahead anyway. Jerome, I want to make it clear because it, it sounded like J.W. said, hey, you know, Jerome went to jail because he uh, looked the other way on the fraudulent <laughs> loan. Right. And the truth is that that's not exactly why you went to jail. It's, it is about the second part of the story. On the other hand, all the first part played into it. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it helped. It, it, it sort of trained me. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's the whole snowball, you know, the domino, whatever you want to call it. You know, one lie leads to another bigger lie, and it's, it's true. I mean, what your mother told you really happens. It, so, so, so uh, looking the other way on loans is a, is a gateway drug? Is that what you're saying? It's <laughs> <laughs> a gateway drug. That's exactly. It. You know what? I've rubbed elbows with some pretty unsavory storks, and I will say this, that a lot of them, especially in the white collar, a lot of them started out with very similar, you know, stories where it was a little thing, uh, like an attorney who needed to borrow money from the trust fund so they could make their payroll to their employees, but then put it right back. You know, that started out with the best of intentions, but then when they realized nothing happened and that it really didn't hurt anybody, it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger, and it always does. I mean, some, some people get out after the first thing, but, but we're humans and we learn from stuff. And, it, it, well, it happens, I say, more often than not. Right. But, but yeah, that was the key. That was, that was the event. We don't want to. We don't want to. Yeah, we don't want to devote the entire book, even though it makes us crazy when when we hear the story. But for, let me let me back up one second and just make sure, uh, because we we do think the book is fascinating. We think your story leading up to your life story now was fascinating. Where, where would you like people to go to, when they want to go get this book? Where's the ideal place? Is there a website to get the book from? Yeah, my website is probably the easiest, and that's at uh, JeromeMaine.com. And okay. My last name is M-A-Y-N-E, so it's Jerome, just like J-E-R-O-M-E, and then M-A-Y-N-E.com. And um, that's the easiest way, you know. That's the, 
that's where it's available. Other people sell it as well, but it's nice to be able to make sure I get it out on time. And Good, good. And, and when people listen to this and when they read the book, uh, they're going to get a sense of your humility, uh, which obviously is counterintuitive to the person that we would think went to jail. When they see white-collar criminal, they don't really see a person that's very humble and, and, and has all this humility. And, and you're the type of person, though, having spoken to you now, we realize that this is not some newfound humility that it, you didn't, you didn't find, forgive the expression, but you didn't find God in jail. I mean, people will read about what you did. They'll, 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 they'll take heart at the chapter about picking up the soap, and we, we understand that. But it, it, your humility is from a, a much earlier source. How did you transfer that beyond this jail time? I mean, what have you done with that? How have you taken that? I mean, you obviously do a lot of seminars. You do speaking all over the place. You relate back to this jail time. But it's a very difficult jump when you're just a real humble guy. I mean, can you, can you present this positive image from what happened to you? Well, I've always been the greatest humilitarian I've ever known. Um, good word. That's, that's, that's the joke. That's a um, good word. You, <laughs> but, but really, I, I don't know. I, I, didn't, I didn't really think that quality was that special or important until I looked back on it and saw that, you know, I've always, I've always wanted to remain teachable. And while I was, I have always been the guy who wants to be the center of attention my entire life. I mean, I was a musician, actor, stand-up comic, um, all that stuff. I, I love attention. Um, there's still that element of humility that that I think helped me get through life. And I, and and I lost that for a while, you know. And I lost that for a little while. And today. Um, that's one of my goals every day. You know, I'm looking at, in my business, what, wh how am I helping people? What am I doing? And what can I learn? Um, I, I, you know, I learned, I have to say, it became most apparent when I started doing stand-up comedy and touring the Midwest as a stand-up comic, that when you go out on stage and you die and you just, the audience just hates you and they don't laugh, um, I saw so many comics come off stage and say how the audience was horrible. The audience was horrible. They, they didn't get it, and they didn't get it. Whereas I learned early on, how are you ever going to learn anything if you blame somebody else? And so stand, I, can, I can point to that as one time when it really became obvious and you know, where I really then looked at why is it that I don't want to blame the audience and actually want to look at what did I do and how can I learn. Um, and maybe it was because I wanted to get better. I wanted to be better. And I wanted to uh, succeed. And I, I found that humility and self-centeredness just cannot exist on the same plane. You can't, you can't be both. Now, wanting to be the center of attention is not the opposite of humility. That's okay, but remaining teachable uh, has been something that I look at now and say, you know what, I've been that way most of my life, and, and now I can write that down as something that's, that is important to me. Um, and I believe 
that I have a better life because I now recognize that and strive for that. That's very good. In fact, that's one of the things that I took from your book is that you found the entire incident to be a, a learning experience and a lesson rather than a punishment. Uh, which is it's unusual because I, I myself would have hated the world and probably gone out and killed after it. But it, it was, you know, <laughs> you're perhaps being that, that comic, it allows you to see the humor in things too. Well, I tell you what, there was, I mean, co in prison, comedy basically just wrote itself. I mean, you, you look, you know, people ask me, oh, what was it like? And, you know, the book, I go into a lot of detail, some funny and some scary. Um, but just the stuff that goes on day to day. You know, you want to know who is in prison? I'll tell you who. Everybody went to school as a kid. And there was always one or two kids in the back of the class who never paid attention and did horrible. I'm not talking about the class clowns. I'm talking about the guys who were the idiots of the class. They made fun of people. And, you know, they only liked each other. Nobody else really liked them. You know what? Prison is full. Of those, it's like they rounded all those guys up and sent them to prison, and it's amazing how they tried to interact, uh, you know. And and when I first got there, I was just, I was amazed to say, wow, it's like I know who these people are, um, you know, their character. And I and, and here's something, here's a mistake I made, and I don't know how this relates to my big message, but this is something I really learned. Um, well, no, here's a message in humility. When I went in there, um, I thought, you know, well, I'm not a bad guy, and I shouldn't really be here, and it was really before I took any responsibility. And I thought, you know, I'm not like these people, because about 80% of the people in there were drug dealers, drug smugglers, and I thought, you know, they're, they're dirt. You know, they're, they're drug dealers, for crying out loud. Everybody knows they're horrible people. Right. And what I did is I spent... A lot of my first few weeks, just talking to the guards, talking to the staff, because I figured, well, you know, they're real people. They're, you know, adults. <laughs> and and one night in a in a dark hallway, I was stopped by two guys, and they kind of cornered me, and they said, "Hey, are you a cop?" and you know, I mean, if anyone's ever seen a picture of me, I don't really look like a tough guy. <laughs> and so I thought, you know, well, I, I'm going to say no, but why the heck are they going to believe me? That's true. Um, and I just said, yeah. And they said, well, you know, we always see you talking to the guards and the staff. Are you telling on us? And my first thought was, well, what are you doing? Because I haven't <laughs> seen anything yet. Yeah. So, so I, I, you know, that was the experience. And thank God they believed me. And I walked out of there going, wow, I'm, I'm one of them, and I better be one of them. And I'm not above anybody here, and that's not a bad lesson in life. No matter what somebody, uh, you know, does for a living, if you're a drug dealer, a drug smuggler, you know, that's a, probably a pretty bad choice. Not even probably. I, I think that's a pretty bad choice. But there is, there is something good in people, and there is really no need to act aloof or above someone, and that's a lesson I learned right there. Um, I had to be one of them, or, or else. I, I don't know.
Well, but I wasn't above anybody. It was no, us against them, really. Yeah, well, and, and the, 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 the bottom line is, to somebody who's sitting outside looking through the bars at you, you are one of them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what that means to society, that was something that was hard for me to grasp. And, and, and it took me a few years after that to, to really grasp that it's okay for people to, to, to make judgment. I don't like it. I wish people weren't that way. But what else do they have to go on? And so I knew I wasn't a bad person, although I have to tell you, um, I kind of kind of got, I, I don't know if the right word is brainwashed, but I kind of started going into that feeling really bad. I mean, when you wake up every day, especially during pretrial, and, and you know that your government thinks you're a bad guy and your friends and, you, and some of your friends and some of your family starts to, question you and wonder if they really ever knew you and they start wondering, you know, well did was was it him who stole Mrs. Svenson's purse <laughs> back in the seventies? You know that's right. It's like now you it really takes a toll because you can't explain yourself to everybody because then you look even more guilty. <laughs> so I can just imagine in my family them, you know, half the family who, you know, talks you know, it's really nice to me now if something like that happened to me, you know, the next day they'd be going, I knew it. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> yeah. Throw you right under yeah. the bus. Of course, yeah. That, that, I, that was all the, yeah. It all the time. <laughs> I knew it all yeah, along. That was, <laughs> That's right. <yeah>. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, that, so that was, um, that, yeah, from somebody outside looking in, there's, a, there's an immediate judgment. And, and, you know, I don't like it, but I could spend my time, being uptight about that and feeling bad about that, or I could move forward. And that's something I learned to do. And, and not just that. Go oh, ahead. sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, I, I really wanted to ask you, you know, you talked about the big message. What is the big message you bring from this? I know you've, you've learned a lot of lessons in humility and being teachable. What's the big lesson, or did I miss it? Well, <laughs> I don't know if you missed it. Um, there, I mean, you know, Maybe, you know, I don't, I don't know really. I, I guess I don't know. I, I do know what I'm about. I do know that when I speak to groups or when somebody reads my book, the feedback I get is, is uh, believe it or not, they're, they're inspired. Um, they're inspired to be better, to do better. Um, they make better choices. I guess they're able to. Sorry? Make better choices. Well, I mean. I mean, make better choices and make them with confidence and make them for the right reasons. Um, you know, one of the things I talk about that is very important to me, uh, and it sounds a little Dr. Phil-ish, but, but it's the inner voice that we all have. It's the gut instinct. It's your intuition. And, um, and a wise woman once taught me that rarely does your instinct tell you to do the wrong thing first. And uh, I... You know, unfortunately, I heard that years after my involvement with Milt. But now, now I know that's true. And we all have an inner voice. And, and the trick is, to how do you listen to that without thinking or questioning that? Because if you believe that your instinct doesn't tell you to do the wrong thing first, then you have to believe that you need to listen to that. Unless you're a sociopath, which I can't help you if that's the case. I've got nothing. Um, but, but really, truly, it doesn't. 
And, and I, I learned that I spent um, years uh, not just as a stand-up, uh, touring stand-up, but also as an improv instructor and performer. Um, believe it or not, I actually taught an improv class in prison. That was unbelievably, uh, that was an incredible experience. But in improvisation, you know, people watch a show like Whose Line Is It Anyway, and they go, well, how can those guys do that? Well, there's a reason they do that. They, they, they you know, you, you have to just be. You can't try and, and be something. You can't think it through. You just have to operate on your instinct. What, what comes next? If you're centered and you're at zero, then you're not planning ahead. You, you, you don't look at the past and try and have that dictate what you're going to do next or try and be something to somebody that you're not. And it, it actually does relate to improv. Um, so what, you know, what's my big message? My, my message is um, humility, integrity, instinct, and, um, and, and, being, and being happier and, and leading a more successful life because you are sincere and genuine. You know, and when you want to look at just business in general. Um, I learned this from, from, again, from doing stand-up and, and being in prison, that when you're, people want the real you. That's what they want. They want, when they're talking to you, they really want you, and they can really tell when you're not being you. And a good example is on stage. I know that as a performer, as an improv or when I speak, if I'm, if I'm trying to tell a story that isn't mine, or if I'm just trying to make it something that it's not, make it funnier, embellish, unless I'm super, super, super good, then I'm going to be transparent. And, and the way you can tell when you're on stage as a speaker or a stand-up comic, you lose that connection with them. And, and they don't, on, on stage as a comic, they don't laugh. And that's the best feedback and indicator you can have that you're you're disingenuine, you're you're not sincere, and so when you want to translate that into the business world, sincerity, we, we want to buy stuff from people we like and trust and and who we believe have have honest and real passion about something, um, because otherwise, we we walk away. We we want to do business with people, so you, you want to translate you know, an art, which is performance, into the real life, the, the qualities of success are incredibly similar, which leads me to believe that just in life in general, in your own personal life, it's important as well. Relationships. Uh, we can't get through life without relationships, and you don't have any when you're not sincere. And uh, let me back up a little bit. Let me back up, Jerome, a little bit, because um, you mentioned a couple of things. One of them was being authentic, and... I can't agree more with you. Being authentic is, uh, you have to be authentic or your, your whole life is, is a sham at that point and you're not going to oh, people will see it. Uh, yeah, and people will see it and you're not going to be able to have a decent relationship. But I want to go back a little farther because you said, you, you talked about listening to that little voice in your head, okay? And when that little voice speaks, you need to move. And I, I, have, an, I have an issue with that or just a question uh, about that and that is, <laughs> You know, some people, it's, remember that old saying, no one to hold them, no one to fold them, the, the song? Yep, yep. Uh, a lot of people uh, really don't get that whole thing, and it's hard to listen to the voice in their head because they don't know when it's fear speaking 
And you know, if we're running from fear, we're in lack-mindedness, and we don't and we don't get out there and take some risks. Sometimes it's hard to succeed. So, you know, somebody could take what you just said and say, "I'm listening to that little voice in my head, and so I'm living a conservative life, and I'm not touching anything, and no germs, and I'm not uh, signing anything, and 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 that to me is not life either." So could you kind of elaborate on how how can you listen to that little voice in your head and make sure it's not coming from a lack-minded, fear-minded, mm-hmm. uh, something that's going to hold you back from being successful, right. but it's actually the real voice in your head that's, that's giving you the red light to an issue. Yeah, how do you live Absol- with fear and not in fear? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly how. And um, it's trust. And it's not tr- trusting everybody. It, it's it's all part of the same circle, and that is that sincerity and honesty, and 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 you got to believe that we're all good people from the beginning. And as as I talked about, you know, in one of our other conversations, we learn to be to, to uh, well, I don't know how to say it, but to uh, try and be something to somebody that that we're not or try and be the yes man at work and that is fear and that is fear so making listening to that voice and knowing that it's the real voice if you are honest with yourself if you trust yourself if you are comfortable with the fact that you are genuine and sincere and that you like you (laughs) then my theory and I I believe this from the bottom of my heart that that you will have the right instinct. And, well, and, and I don't want that to be, uh, I don't want to counter what I said. Your, your instinct is right, and whether or not you question it, and maybe that's part of your, part of your question or com- comment, is if you are sincere and honest and you trust yourself that you will make the best decision possible, then I then I firmly believe that you will make the right decision. If you if you don't trust yourself, if you do live in some kind of fear where you have have a decent lack of self confidence, um, you have a lack of self esteem, I think you really do run the risk of making bad choices, seeking or feeling something that is based on uh, insecurity, as opposed to basing that decision on on honesty and trusting yourself and feeling good that you are a good person and that you have the right choices. Second are, guessing are you, that. Are you saying essentially that um, in order for that to work for you, for your little voice in your head to uh, to, to be truthful to you, you do have to <laughs> you have to get through the first uh, set of circumstances. That is getting getting over your self-esteem issues and getting over your fear issues. Well, yeah, I guess I guess so. And, you know, it's maybe like saying, well, to be rich, first of all, all you need to have is a million bucks. And then, you know, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that, that you can look at, I mean, everybody can do a self-evaluation. And if, if they can just find a little bit of honesty, they can they could identify areas in their life that they do lack some self-confidence. And we're, nobody is has, you know, 100% on the scale self-confidence. We all, even the, you know, even the people who've got, you know, I don't, I don't want to stereotype anybody, but if some people, you walk around and just by looking at them, 
you know, you go, wow, they've, they've sure kicked up their, you know, moron ranking a couple of notches on purpose. And you ask some of those people, you know, what, why would you dress that way or why would you do that to your head or, you know, whatever it might be. And they will say, I don't care. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care. I don't believe that. Not 100%. You're talking about the denial factor now, and this is why I like, your, I like what you have to say about being uh, able to be taught. Because sure. you know, I know too many people out there that um, I think we I think we all inherently know the difference between right and wrong. When you're when something else when you're taking a shortcut and it's possible that you could hurt somebody else, um, or even if it's just wrong, even if you believe it's a you know a victimless crime, you, you know you kind of know. On the other yeah. hand, where the ignorance comes into the whole thing is when you know but you live in denial, which might you might as well not know at that point. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, and it, and it is. I, I don't even know what to call it. But your life and getting out there and continuing to grow and to be teachable, I think that's what gets you to that point where you, you don't. Have, once you stretch your mind, it's very impossible to put back. So you can't be in uh, denial anymore once you learn some certain things. I, yeah, and I, you know, I hate to say that I'm only useful if you have self confidence, because I don't. You know, I, I guess I don't believe that. I think that everybody has that. And to, and to be able to point out that they are, they are good people, they do have good decisions, and that if they were true to themselves and they, they didn't live in fear and they, they, they had the self-confidence, um, they knew that their decisions are good and right and valid. Um, then I don't think they would question their inner voice. I mean, we, you're, you're absolutely right. We do all know right from wrong. And the question is, how do we deal with that? You know, when our voice tells us that something is wrong, what do we do then? Do we sidestep that into a justification? Um, and I don't, I don't know if I've said this since we've, uh, since we've started, but a good example is, you know, a kid, a kid, like a child, we'll say, um, when they lie, they know they're lying, and they know it's wrong. And they know when they're lying, they know when they get in trouble, and they know after they're lying that they got in trouble because it was wrong. They were told not to do it, and they did it. A, a, a lot of adults, and I can certainly put myself in this category, certainly back in the 90s, that I knew something was wrong. I knew that me playing along with it was wrong. However, I justified it and showed why it wasn't wrong. And, and, and the real key is to how, how to recognize when you're justifying to make yourself feel better about doing something wrong um, or when you're basically explaining a, a point <laughs> as opposed, you know, like I would say, well, I'm not doing anything, so that's not illegal or that's not wrong. Well, how is it? So the key is to recognize the difference between that and a real answer or, or making a real point because, because what I was doing was justifying. I didn't want to feel bad about being involved in something that wasn't right. Ah. And... You know, I didn't trust my, I, I sidestepped. And I had an opportunity. I had that one chance. And I have had a million chances, but that happens to be the opportunity that I had that I missed. 
that I missed, and I missed one. Now, it did snowball, but that was the moment. And I look back, and I go, why didn't I question that? Yeah, well, you know, get Bob, why. Bob really believes that, and, and Bob can tell you, Bob, Bob really believes that you just had a bad lawyer, but that doesn't change <laughs> any of the story, because I think you did learn some incredible lessons, and uh, I'm, I'm sure that anybody who knew you then and knows you now sees the big, the big growth difference and the, 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 the difference in maturity and, and, the, and the whole bit. And your wife stayed with you, I understand, through the whole thing? Well, she was my girlfriend at the time. And, you know, okay. Yeah, and we wound up getting married, yeah. It's, it's, like, it's, a, it's a happy ending story. It's a Disney story. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know what? I, you, you know, I, I'm not justifying this, but you know what? I don't know how else it could have turned out uh, other than if I, if I would have not taken responsibility, if I would have lost my self-esteem for good, because I did lose it for a while. Um, I, I don't know how I could have been un, unhappy. No, I'm not happy every day. I mean, I don't you know, live some happy life every day. But I, but I don't blame somebody else if I'm not unhappy. You know, I, I, it's, it's not somebody else's fault because if it is, how am I going to learn? And, you know, obviously somebody can come up and hit you with a bat and there, there's nothing you can do. I mean, you can, I don't know, you can try and be teachable or learn something from that. But, but you know, the whole thing, something, stuff always happens for a reason. Maybe, maybe that's how you sum it up. I don't know. But being able to... To say that I don't know everything and somebody else is going to be able to teach me, uh, I think that's huge, you know. And then helping other people, something I learned about helping other people, I've helped a lot of speakers um, get moving on their career. And and I, I'm working with a guy right now who who got out of prison and, and he was a white-collar criminal and he, he sought me out. And I... I He's a he's direct <laughs> competition with me. I'm not kidding you. He is he wasn't mortgage, but he, he was something else. But I, I am teaching him how to do everything that it took me years to figure out, and it feels good. And you know what that's helping me do? It's helping me focus more on my business. It's uh, it's. It's opened up opportunities that I wasn't expecting. Uh, you know, I'm not saying money is falling into my lap, but better things happen. It keeps me more accountable. Uh, it keeps me, uh, I, am, I am responsible in a sense to this guy. I've, I've made him responsible, and I'm not charging him anything. Right. I, I just want to help keeping, the guy. Are you keeping a diary of this too? <laughs> no, right. no, I haven't. I could go through my emails, I suppose. Well, well, you should, and because we're we're obviously we, we don't want to we don't want to keep you all day. But what we want to do is be able to bring you back uh, as you learn more, as you open up more, as you teach more, um, and as we see you more on the circuit. And perhaps we'll get a chance to go and see you when you do one of your uh, seminars or a webinar or just a, another interview. And I'm hoping we can bring you back. Uh, learn more from what you've done in the in the interim and what you're growing into, and maybe you'll help our members um, in their ethics um, conversations. We're going to have a a panel discussion in our um, in our group, our our um, real estate group, and it's going to be about ethics. And I'm hoping we can drag you into that. 
<laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think really, you know, working with you guys and, and uh, over the last month and, and talking through a lot of things with you has helped me a lot as well. Um, it's really helped me realize, in fact, the next book coming out, I'm going to tell you, it's probably going to be next summer, is going to have to do with remaining teachable and being genuine, um, listening to your instinct. I mean, my diary is, I mean, it, it sells well. Uh, you know, I mean, people like the the uh, sincerity of it. But I, By the way, you know, I just got you right now. Bob and I will be there. We'll write, we'll write the backward in your book. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> Yeah, no, I know. I mean, that that next book is is coming out. It has to. It's you know, it's something I feel like you need to do. Okay, uh-huh. it's good that you have time to do it. Can I tell you? I don't know where you fit it in between all your scheduled stuff, but just just again, and I'm doing another plug for it. Just remember that when we do this uh, ethics panel, that we're going to drag your butt over there to help us with it. Oh, I'd be happy to. I'd be happy to. I get our, I get our, our guests to volunteer. Yeah, I always get our guests to volunteer on online so that, so that I got a contract with them. Okay, don't forget. Well, I can't go back on my word. That's it. Well, I, I really appreciate you guys taking the time and the opportunity to, to do an interview with your with your group. Well, it's well, it was you know, great. You know, we want to acknowledge you because there's, not only for, you know, the fact that uh, um, you've learned so much and you've done, you know, you've written a book to help people. You get out there and you talk to people. I know you go to corporations and you talk about fraud, but you've taken the things that you've learned and the lessons that you've learned and you've turned that into helping, you know, helping others and informing others. So I really want to acknowledge you for that. I want to acknowledge you for... Um, not blaming the world for your problems and learning the lessons that were put before you. So, I mean, the the book is a good book. It has a lot of great lessons in it. Uh, I understand uh, you go out there and you speak a lot. And are you speaking anywhere that we can tell anybody about uh, coming up? Uh, well, I don't do public. I don't do public seminars. Um, okay, but you, they can hire you out, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm busy most of the year. Fortunately. Um, you know, I'm still booking for 2011, and um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, you know, I like you said, I used to talk, you know, a lot just about fraud. I've written, uh, some, uh, I wrote a continuing education textbook, uh, real estate for one of the big uh, education publishers, okay, well, and we, that was fun. We know you're That's busy. Not, we know you're busy, and yeah, we, we also we also know that that we chastised you a few times for not catching up and, and updating your website. So how would people get in touch with you? I mean, if you, until you get a chance to sit down and update your website, how do they get in touch with you now? I mean, obviously when they're, you know, insiders know how to reach you, but how, how do our, our members get, get a hold of you? They, they go to my website. I don't, you know, I switched over uh, from the fraud, you know, only, and um, right now it's JeromeMain.com. Uh, you know, I think you guys have a link um, on your website. We we did, um, and we we will we'll, we'll make sure that uh, that in the post and on our site, you're going to put you on our friends page. You'll be one of our friends, and uh, oh, that's nice. There you go. That's <laughs> all right. We we ask a lot in return. It's not for free. <laughs> well, most people. Oh, I appreciate it. Most people don't understand. We've talked to Jerome quite a few times and we, and we and we just Bob and I just uh, take great pleasure at busting his balls about everything so, yeah uh, <laughs> that's what we do 
<laughs> well, you've helped me a lot. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, well, you've helped us. Thanks for coming on and uh, sharing with us today. Um, great interview. As always, it's been fun. Thanks. All right. Talk to you soon. Thank All you. Right. Thank you for listening to the Networking Fools Show, featured on Blog Talk Radio and on the Networking Fools website at www.networkingfools.com. Networking Fools is the property of Network Alchemists. Networking Fools, Network Alchemists, and Alchemists and Alchemy are trademarks of the Network Alchemists, LLC, and this podcast is copyright 2010, and all rights are reserved.